Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Bing Sunday. I'm Rob Brenton filling in for Jay Binkley, but you can catch Jay Binkley with Art Haynes on Chiefs pregame show on 106.5 The Wolf and... On the Airhead Pride Chiefs postgame show here on 610 Sports Radio following Chiefs and Browns. I got an hour left before Josh Vernier takes over and get ready for Royals and Twins. Salvador Perez will keep pounding homers. You guys should be listening. Still chasing that 50 marker. I think he can get there. He's at 42 right now. I think 50's outlandish. I don't know why anyone pitches other teams. I want to see him hit 50. It's too bad Patrick Mahomes is in Kansas City because if not, Salvador Perez would be the most popular popular athlete in Kansas City, but he can't be that because Patrick Mahomes exists. Speaking of Patrick Mahomes, last time we saw him on a football field, he was running for his life for an entire game. Mike Rimmers did not get the job done at left tackle in JPP. Shaq Barrett was running wild in the backfield against Andrew Wiley. And Patrick Mahomes made a couple incredible plays. The diving one comes to mind. Ran around, ran backwards, threw one up, made a play against the Bucks. But you can't, you can't be Mike Vick from Madden 04 forever in a real football game and win. And that's what happened in the Super Bowl of the Chiefs. The Chiefs spent the whole offseason saying, never again. They treat the offseason like fans treat the offseason. We have one major problem. Let's go fix the one major problem. Not only do we have to have a strong starting five offense line, we need to be deep. Our two deep needs to be able to be filled with starters. And the Chiefs went out, and to their credit, this offseason, they went and did it. An entirely new offensive line will take the field today for the Chiefs. Orlando Brown, they traded a draft pick to bring him in. They spent big money on a left guard in Joe Tooney. Premium draft pick at center in Creed Humphrey. Diamond in the rough draft pick, Trey Smith, the right guard. And the opt-out rookie, Lucas Niang, at right tackle. And they looked great this preseason. They looked incredible. And there's all the reason in the world to be excited about the way they look this preseason, but let's tamp down expectations a little bit here. Preseason football is mm, 
What do you think, Grant? 65% of a real game? 60%? 60, 65 seems like a lot. What would you have the number at? Not 65? Like 50, 50, maybe. Okay, that's fair. I think there's enough live action to get some work in, which is what the, play, the coaches love to tell you. you got some, they got some work. We got some work done, which I think is true. But it's not, it's not real football is the point we're getting at here. And the Chiefs faced a preseason slate. It's not college football. You can't schedule your non-cons. You can't schedule your preseason. Yeah, they faced some teams that don't really have daunting pass rushes. So they didn't really get tested. You know, the new offense line didn't get tested against daunting pass rushes. The Cardinals have a good one, but Chandler Jones didn't play. J.J. Watt didn't play. The offensive line dominated a lot of backups. That's their job. Good job. Go do it in the preseason. Nailed it. Success. The Vikings don't have a very good pass rush ever. So good job. Went out and dominated the game. Congrats. Did your job. Everything's starting to work, work and look better, but I don't know that they're going to be in midseason form today, and they are playing an elite pass rusher. Elite pass rusher in Miles Garrett. I don't want to get into a ranking of where he is and pass rushers. Is he ahead of so-and-so behind so-and-so? And that always becomes a fight on the text line of, well, how do you have TJ Watt ahead of him? But I'm not going to, he's a top five pass rusher. If you have him at five, great. If you have him at one, fine. He's an elite pass rusher. That's what he is. And in some capacity today, he's going to be lined up against either a rookie or however you would classify Lucas Niang. Some people don't have him rookie. Some people have him rookie, whatever. Negligible to me. Or he'll be up against a guy he's faced a lot in the AFC North and Orlando Brown, but Orlando Brown ran a very different offense in Baltimore than will in Kansas City, obviously. I don't want to disparage the, the Ravens. They have There's no reason to kick them while they're down. They have no players left, but they run a heavy run-based offense with a run-based quarterback, and the Chiefs don't do that. I think it's going to be a learning curve. I don't know in week one we're going to walk away and be like, yeah, the, the, the offensive line stonewalled the Browns, zero sacks. I don't know in week seven, week 18 now, the end of the season, we're going to be like, wow, they, they had the least sacks in the NFL. There's going to be a gelling process. Everyone who's everyone in the NFL, whoever has played, worked, or in and around the NFL tells me, offensive line is all about cohesion and communication. These guys have played three preseason games together. It's hard to imagine they're at peak cohesion and peak communication. I think they can get there. There's a lot of NFL season. I think they can be ready to go. And I think if they stay healthy, they have a chance to be a great offensive line. But I don't think you're going to see it in week one. And I think it's worrisome that they're going up against a guy with an elite pass rush. Mitchell Schwartz, who knows more about playing offensive line in the NFL than most, he's forgotten more about playing the position than I will ever know. He was on the drive. He was on the drive every Tuesday, 3 o'clock, in studio here on 610 Sports. He's on with Carrington Harrison. He was asked about the rebuilt offensive line and a guy like Miles Garrett and how this offensive line will handle a guy like Miles Garrett. He's got that Von Miller first step, that quickness, uh, and then because he's 6'5", he can cover the ground, and then he's you know, 275, 280, and he's got insane power and um, functional power too. It's not just you know, a big, stiff, strong guy out there. It's, it's functional power. And so, yeah, he's, he's a, a handful. I mean, Orlando's faced him a bunch of times, so... Um, you know, you're probably going to feel a little more comfortable with, you know, his knowledge of it. And I'm sure he's, you know, given Lucas some good tips throughout the week. So that's some pretty high praise for Miles Garrett. Vaughn Miller quickness with Khalil Mack strength. That's an intimidating pass rusher to go up against your offensive line, no matter how old, new, perfect your offensive line is. 
Quentin Nelson would struggle with a guy like that. I know Quentin Nelson plays guard. Don't don't need a text. Like, it's a guard, Rob. Idiot. I just picked the best offensive lineman in the NFL. Generic elite offensive lineman, Quentin Nelson. Please don't text in. He would never be one-on-one. Don't waste your text. I think the only way the Browns win today is if Miles Garrett's a game wrecker. I don't think the offensive line will look as bad as it did in the Super Bowl because it's impossible to look that bad again, barring the all, the new offensive line deciding, yeah, we're not playing. We're all sitting out. Outside of that, I can't imagine the offensive line is Super Bowl bad again because, like I said, it was just awful. But the only path to a uh, Browns win is if Miles Garrett makes that look like the Super Bowl offensive line. If he humiliates and embarrasses and crushes this offensive line, or at least affects the game to the point that other players on the off, on the defensive line for the Browns can make plays, then the Chiefs are in trouble. I don't think the Chiefs are going to be in trouble. I do think Miles Garrett's going to have an impact on the game. I don't think we're going to look at the stat line and be like, wow, they just shut him out. Jadavion Clowney, I think, will have no impact on the game. I think they'll shut him out. I do love that Jadavion Clowney is, like, super popular, and I'm a Jadavion Clowney defender up until last year for basically tackling one Michigan player. Outside of that, Jadavion Clowney has kind of just been Frank Clark, basically, with the number one pick cachet. But I don't see a path for the Browns to win unless Miles Garrett absolutely dominates the football game. And I don't think he can dominate the football game. Mitchell Schwartz, who I mentioned earlier, we'll play a cut here. He says, with players like Miles Garrett, Coach Reed is great. And I'm not breaking new ground here, but it means more when he says it. it is great about scheming things up to protect the offensive line from elite pass rushers like Miles Garrett. I'd imagine Coach has, you know, a few little, you know, curveballs for for the defensive line, for the defensive ends and uh, he does a good job, you know, taking care of us. I think, you know, that was maybe one of the more, you know, under discussed things on, you know, our Super Bowl run and, you know, kind of otherwise is, you know, he was giving us some some pretty good help. I mean, you know, that first game against JJ Watt, he didn't just leave me out on an island the whole game and then, you know, the next week and the next week, especially against San Francisco, he helped us out a bunch. So, uh he takes all those things into account and uh you know, at some point it is, you know, this guy has to block that guy and uh Miles is a good player and um, it's going to be a, an interesting matchup and obviously one that, you know, typically those O-line, D-line individual matchups, you know, you don't get to see them too often, but, you know, those eight or ten plays in a game, if uh, you know, they do present themselves, really can, you know, kind of swing it in, in one direction. Now, I disagree a little bit with Mitchell there because I do think, generally speaking, Andy Reid does a really good job of skimming around pass rushers and gives him help, and I heard, he did say it. He's not going to leave Mitchell Schwartz on an island with J.J. Watt, although Mitchell Schwartz was an elite pa- pass protector. He was all pro. One of my biggest complaints from the Super Bowl is I don't think Andy Reid went out of his way to protect his offensive line. I think he kind of said, this is what we do. Go get him, guys. And they didn't have the talent to go get him. I think the lasting image of that Super Bowl everyone has is Mahomes running around. Everyone likes to blame Mike Rimmers, and that's fair. He wasn't good. I don't think Mike Rimmers thinks he was good in that game. I don't think Mike Rimmers has looked at the film and been like, I nailed it. Why do the fans hate me? I think he understands. But I think when I watched that Super Bowl, my biggest complaint was Andy Reid didn't do anything to help Mike Rimmers. You can't be running deep plays. You can't be running your regular offense. You got to be chipping. You got to keep a tight end in, et cetera, et cetera, to protect your team. I don't think Andy Reid did that in the Super Bowl. Mitchell Schwartz just said on the cut, Reid does a really good job to scheme around and protect him. And I generally agree with him. But if he's not going to scheme around to protect him against Miles Garrett, the Chiefs could have a problem today because he's a game wrecker. He alone's a game wrecker. 
The way Chiefs fans talk about Chris Jones, Miles Garrett's that guy. And that's no disrespect to Chris Jones. Miles Garrett's that guy. There was a reason he was one of the top picks in the draft at A&M. He's just different. We've all seen the video on Twitter of him playing basketball. It was like a Mack truck playing basketball. Good luck, lifetime fitness. Go get him. No way you could defend that guy in the gym. You walk into a hoop at lifetime and you look around, and you're like, uh-uh, I'm good, pass. Oh, we're on the elliptical. He's a freak. And Charles Robinson, who I trust a lot on football, senior reporter of Yahoo Sports, says matchup to watch today, low-key matchup to watch today. Browns defensive tackle Malik McDowell against a rebuilt Chiefs offensive line. Not only about Malik McDowell, but I think he's right. I think Chiefs fans more so than any game, maybe ever, are going to be watching the offensive line. Can Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith take care of Malik McDowell? Can Orlando Brown and Lucas Niang shut out Jadavion Clowney? Can they do enough to keep Miles Garrett away from having a huge impact? Because he's going to have an impact on the game. It's just a matter of how big. He's too good of a pass rusher to not have an impact. Chiefs fans know this. Von Miller didn't ever dominate the Chiefs, but he had impacts in the game, but you, it was marginal impacts. That's what you got to do with Miles Garrett today. If Chiefs fans watch the offensive line and they aren't winning those matchups, it's a problem. If the Browns are getting stifled on their four-man pass rush, on their three-man pass rush, on their base zone defense, and they got to get aggressive and start blitzing, oh, boy, is it on. Because we know the stats. We've seen the stats. Everyone in Kansas City is aware of the stats. And if you aren't, trust me, next week before the Ravens game, you'll see the stats. Patrick Mahomes against the Blitz is like a cheat code. He knows where you're coming from, and he identifies it, and then he flips his wrist, and 40 yards later, someone's in the end zone. Or it's like a little eight-yard pattern to Travis Kelsey, who's got acres of space in front of him. Travis Kelsey, not excuse me, Travis Kelsey versus the Blitz is also great. Patrick Mahomes against the Blitz is just cheating. And if the Chiefs rebuilt offensive line can stifle a non-blitzing Browns team and force them into becoming blitz-heavy, because that offensive line has stuffed them. Watch out. I was thinking there's a cumulative effect with the run game. You guys listen to the drive. You hear me every day on there from two to six. I hate running backs. Don't ever pay one. Chiefs made a mistake drafting one in round one. It's life. I think they're aware of their error. If they're not, when they listen to the show, they hear me explain their error in their ways. You're welcome, Brett Veach. I'm here for you. But the Chiefs run game was bad last year, and one of the reasons it was bad or relatively bad is because the offense line went very good last year. And Chiefs fans were like, well, you expected more from Gladwell Hilaire. He was a top fantasy pick. Why isn't he dominating games? Well, the offense line wasn't dominating games. There's a cumulative effect between running back and offense line. I'm not breaking new ground here. You guys don't, it, this is not earth shattering take. But if the Browns got to start blitzing and Patrick Mahomes can then start flipping his wrist and make big plays, then down the stretch to ice this thing down, Trey Smith, who's a mauler and just pushes people over, can blow off the line of scrimmage and get three, four yards of carry down the stretch to ice down a Chiefs win. We're going to be talking tomorrow about how does anyone stop this team? But if the offensive line doesn't do that, if the Browns are getting home with just four and Patrick Mahomes running for his life again, I'm going to have to eat some crow because I think the Chiefs are going to win big today. That's the only way they lose is if Miles Garrett and those guys have a major impact. And the Chiefs offensive line is the thing to watch today. We said that in February. We said that in March. We said in April. We said in May, June, July, August. The Chiefs offensive line in week one will be the thing to watch. I know. I'm aware of it. 
But today's the day. Today's the day to go watch it. Speaking of the Cleveland Browns, when we come back from break, I will play some cuts. Ken Carmen from CBS Sports Radio and 92.3, the fan in Cleveland, was on Fesco in the morning. And Mike Chico Borman of the same station was on with the drive this week. Hear what they had to say about the Browns and what they believe is going to happen in this game and if they believe there's a path for the Browns to beat the Chiefs today at Arrowhead. That's next on Bink Sunday. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to Bink Sunday. I am Rob Brenton filling in for Jay Binkley. About 40 minutes left to show before Josh Vernier takes over for the On Deck show as the Royals take on the Twins. You can always interact with the show on the Jays Southland Toasters text line 913-576-7610. Top two texts. Rob, why are you worried about Lucas Niang? Chase Young said he was the best guy he ever went up against in college. I'm aware of the quote. I also don't put a lot of stock in that quote. It's a nice quote. It's a great pass for just saying a nice thing about a Chiefs offensive lineman. But Chase Young faced Lucas Niang once, his entire college career. It was in a week one, ex- not exhibition game, it was in a week one game at Jerry World. It wasn't like they played all the time. That comment holds a little bit of water because of how good Chase Young is, but if Chase Young had gone to Texas and faced Lucas Niang for four years, that would mean more to me. I think Chiefs fans may overvalue that comment a little bit. And like I said, it was a week one game, so it's possible that Chase Young didn't have all the film and all the resources to know what Lucas Niang does and doesn't do well. 
Doesn't mean that I think he's bad. Doesn't mean that I think the quote doesn't mean anything. But this is like if Cade Cunningham was the best player in college basketball last year. They played a non-con game against Syracuse. Let's say whoever the best player was at Syracuse said, man, Cade Cunningham is awesome. You'd be like, yeah, but you played him once. It's a nice comment, but I want to see more. I want to, I want to hear that comment from someone who plays him all the time or is more around him. Probably holds a little more weight. That's how I feel about that Lucas Niang quote. But I'm aware of the quote, and I do think it matters, but let's not act like Chase Young thinking about Lucas Niang means that Lucas Niang's an all-pro. Let's see him play a game. The other top text on the text line, 913-576-7610. Rob, I'm new to soccer, but I'm trying to learn. My father-in-law's a big fan. He's from London. He's a huge Spurs fan. Why do you hate Spurs? I'm a Chelsea fan. I would never associate with that North London street trash. Tell your father-in-law to be smart and cheer for the champions of Europe. His life will be incredible. He won't be sad, and he won't have to cheer for Harry Kane. He'll enjoy life a lot better. Probably won't get to cheer for Harry Kane much longer anyways. Exactly. And if you get thumped by Crystal Palace, you don't really get to talk. So tell your father-in-law that Rob Britton said, become a Chelsea fan, you'll be happier with your life. And he will be happier. Grant's a Chelsea fan. He saw Lukaku score a goal at two goals yesterday. And a rout of Villa. That's what you should be watching, not Tottenham. North London street trash. Speaking of teams that are trash, a little bit unfair, but the Cleveland Browns. A lot of you guys hate the Cleveland Browns. One of the texters earlier said they're an 8-9 team. I don't know why you hype them up. Well, they're better than 8-9 team. That's a little bit ridiculous, but that's not here nor there. Earlier this week, I guess, yes, well, Friday. My days of the week are all messed up. Friday, Chico Borman of 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland was on the drive with Carrington Harrison. He was asked because the Browns spent all offseason. They made all their moves. They did all their things based on one principle. How do we beat the Chiefs? They went out. They added a pass rush into Javion Clowney. We can argue how much pass rush that was, but it is still technically a pass rusher. They went out and they added two elite safeties and drafted the kid out of Northwestern to play corner. They looked at the Chiefs offense and said, how do we slow that team down? That's threat one. Chico Borman was on the drive, and he said that's exactly what the Browns did this offseason. You know, obviously, when you talk about the best of the AFC and who you got to go through, uh, you know, the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, obviously right at the top of the list. Bottom line is this, this defense needed to get so much more speed, so much more versatility, whether it was Patrick Mahomes or your boy Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, they needed to get faster. They needed to get much more athletic. And, and you know, Joe Woods was kind of essentially playing last year with one hand, one arm tied behind his back. I mean, there was only so much you can do when, you know, you start camp and some of your, and, and obviously an abbreviated camp, as we know last year. And, and then when that happens, you've got guys going down and injury. So he was very limited. So, yeah, I mean, the likes of Patrick Mahomes, the likes of Lamar Jackson, the likes, yeah, they're Buffalo Bills. They're they're basically gearing up for who they have to match up against. But I think just in general, he's so much more athleticism and so much faster pretty much at every position, particularly on the back end, which is really what Andrew Barry sought out to do, and, and I think he did do. We'll see how it's materializes it might take a little while before they gel because these guys have been injured too and and uh you know when you start the season in kansas city against the vaunted let me repeat this the vaunted kansas city chiefs attack we're just like i said the browns are just happy to be there man 
The Browns are just happy to be there. Wow, that's a quote. I do think the Browns spent all offseason, and I think their move said it, and Chico Borman said it there. They went out of their way to think to themselves, how we stop the Chiefs. I think for years and years and years, the Chiefs did a similar thing with the Broncos. Hey, John Elway is slicing and dicing us. What do we do? Add more pass rush. Add secondary members. Draft to improve the defense. Don't think the draft strategy was sound, but that's what they did. And now that's what everyone in the AFC is doing to the Kansas City Chiefs. Hey, how do we stop that team? I don't think anyone stops them in the modern NFL. I don't think, I don't think the steel curtain or even those Patriot great defenses really exist anymore. I think the rules are so slanted of the offense that like the idea of an elite defense is skewed now versus what it is then. But they wanted to build what people would consider a modern day elite defense because they thought to themselves, well, we can't stop the Chiefs. The Chiefs with Chad Henney beat us. How do we fix this? How do we prepare for when they have Patrick Mahomes, who's an objectively better quarterback? And that's what they did all offseason. I, I actually liked the Browns offseason a lot. It was smart. We have the quarterback in place. We have the offensive line in place. We think we have the coach in place. Let's go fix the defense so this doesn't happen to us again. I don't think it's going to work. I think the Chiefs are still a better team, but that's how the AFC is treating you now, Kansas City. They look at you and they say, how do we beat you? Every team's doing it. Not just your division. Every team in the AFC is doing it. They look at Kansas City and say, okay, what do we do? How do we stop them? How do we slow them down enough? And that's what the Browns did. Now, I mentioned the Browns secondary is totally rebuilt, and it is totally rebuilt. That's something that I don't think is going to be great in week one. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have his way. But we asked Chico Borman, what is the path for the Browns to win on Sunday? They were able to get to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, what you mentioned earlier about the offensive line, they were able to you know, squeeze him a bit. They were able to force him into some throws that uh, he doesn't want to make or he misses that he doesn't miss on a lot. And then... You know, one of the big acquisitions for the Browns in the back end was John Johnson that nobody uh, really has talked about a lot. Uh, not really a, a sexy name by any stretch of the imagination, but this guy is a flat-out baller. And, you know, he, he'll, you know, he, he's going he's gonna to find footballs and he's going to find hopefully some turnovers and a lot of them this year. If he can find them in week one, um and like I said, Patrick Mahomes is under duress. Now, I'm not saying 29 pressures like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did last year in the Super Bowl, but if you just get him a little bit uncomfortable, then, you know, I, I like the Browns' chances. I think the Browns are going to be able to move the ball. I think Baker's going to make some plays uh, off play action and, and, you know, finding some guys downfield. I agree. The only real path the Browns win this game is if their defensive line can get the big pressure on Patrick Mahomes. And I agree, I don't think 19 pressure is ever going to happen again, like just ever. Just, the, just too much talent offensive line, but that's the only way that I see it. I do kind of agree with them. I mean, it's the NFL in 2021. The Browns are going to score. I mean, they're going to get points. I don't think they're going to make a lot of plays. I think in 2021, it's all about who makes more explosive plays, and I don't think anyone can out-explosive the Chiefs. The only way to out-explosive the Chiefs is to dominate on the line of scrimmage, which is the fear today if you're a Chiefs fan. I'm looking forward to it. Coming up on the other side, the Plaid Prince, a man who usually is too good for my show, too famous, too popular, too noteworthy. He was on television this morning. He's Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride next on Big Sunday. 
You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back. It is Bink Sunday. I am Rob Brenton filling in for Jay Binkley, but you'll hear Jay Binkley later today on Chiefs postgame show here on 610 Sports Radio. Let's head out of the phone line. Joined by a man, the editor-in-chief of Arrowhead Pride. I joked earlier that usually when I host on Sundays, he's too busy. He's too popular. He's on television. He's a man about town. Pete Sweeney, but he took the time today. Pete, how you doing, buddy? Rob, you know when you're filling in for Bink, you could call it Rob Sunday, right? Bink Sundays has a – I could call it Rob Sunday. Sundays with Rob. There you go. Pete, only got a little – we're up against the clock a little bit because I'm a long talker and Vern's coming on in 25 minutes. So let's get into some Chiefs-Browns. But first, I'm going to waste my first question saying it's not Chiefs-Browns. Earlier this week, okay. you were on the drive and you said – you made a bet with me, a Chipotle burrito bet, that you think Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> is going to have more touchdown passes than Derek Carr. Teddy Bridgewater's career high is 15. Derek Carr's career low is 19. Would you like to walk that back and just accept that you were wrong? You got a little too much dip on the chip, as Carrington says, and you just you missed. Or do you want to stick it out with this terrible bet? I want to apologize to everybody for not doing it sooner. Of course I'm <laughs> going to take the Bronco over the Raiders. Crazy? Yes, I'll take Teddy Bridgewater. I think that he's a, a better overall player. I think he's got a lot of weapons. I, I like the Broncos team much more than I do the Raiders. And as the team goes, the quarterback goes. And I can't wait to enjoy my half-steak, half-chicken burrito sometime in January. You're going to double meet me? Man, I can't oh, yeah. I can't. Oh, yeah. I can't wait Premium. to do that. And I'm getting guac, and we're going to go <laughs> together and, and eat in there. And I'm also going to help myself to Patron Margarita. It's going to be like a $22 <laughs> type of situation. Goodness, you're not a cheap date, Pete. Let's talk about this. <laughs> Let's talk about these Kansas City Chiefs. The biggest storyline all week was Tyron Matthew, who was in COVID protocol. We saw yesterday the Chiefs made the roster move. He's now out of COVID protocol. I mentioned this earlier. Historically, under Andy Reid, people that don't practice don't really play. But Tyron Matthew is a special case. What are your expectations for Matthew today? Not only like in usage, but if you think he'll be up to full Honey Badger potential. You know, it's tough to to predict that even for a guy like Tyron Matthew, who, in my opinion, wouldn't necessarily need to practice. I mean, if there are two players on the team that you would list, okay, who would be okay without practice? To me, Patrick Mahomes would be one, and Tyron Matthew would be two. I think it comes down to health, and that's where it's unknown for us. We don't really necessarily know 
exactly what he was going through. All we knew was that he was in the COVID protocol and in it for what was about 9, 10, 11 days. And so that kind of tells you, you know, maybe there were some symptoms there. Uh, we'll see how he's feeling. We'll see if he's got his breath about him. Um, we don't, again, we don't know those details. And so I think the Chiefs will make the best call. What I will say is this, if he is active, I think he should have full confidence that he's going to be every uh, type of honey badger that, that you could expect. It's just whether or not he's active. If he's inactive, that'll be the team telling you, you know, we don't necessarily feel great about him health and shape-wise considering he missed all that practice. If they do have him active, then I think they're going to have him active, but I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. But let's just say he's inactive for the sake of the argument because the inactives don't come out till later. What do you think the Chiefs' plan is to go without Matthew? Is it just more stress on Thornhill or Armani Watts stepping up? If they don't have Matthew, what do you think their plan is? Yeah, no, it, it, it's Juan Thornhill. That was something I actually asked Andy Reid at the end of the week uh, in just the confidence level because this is a player that they were needing to give extra reps during training camp, and uh, they had to have him uh, go up, which was the rookies and the quarterbacks. And at times he was playing with the second and third team, and we were worried, it's, you know, is he benched? But it was just the Chiefs getting reps, 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 reps. And so you ask Andy Reid about that on Friday, and he says, look, we have full trust in Juan Thornhill. And, of course, he's going to say that, but I really truly feel that the team feels that way. I think they, they feel okay, especially considering the rebuilt defensive line and how the defensive line should be better. And so when the defensive line is good, that means it makes everything easier on the second and third levels, and that obviously would include uh, Juan Thornhill if he has to play next to Daniel Sorensen. Speaking of the defense and a player who might pop up on the inactive list, the perpetually questionable Frank Clark. He is questionable again because it's a day in the week that ends in Y this Sunday. He's battling a hamstring injury. I don't want to get into if he's going to play or not to play today. I know earlier Steve Spagnuolo says on a pitch count, et cetera, et cetera. What are reasonable expectations for Frank Clark this year? Because Nate Taylor was on with us earlier this week, and he said that if they don't get good Frank Clark, then they won't be able to hit their goals. But the over-under in Vegas for him is seven sacks. What does a good Frank Clark season look like? I don't necessarily agree with Nate Taylor on this one in particular. Well, you're at Arrowhead. Go find him and find him. I really am a believer in Mike Dana. I don't know if you would call me a Mike Dana truther, or or if you will, or something like that. But Frank Clark uh, is not... Um, putting together the year that I don't think that to um, insert Mike Dana into a situation where, okay, uh, Clark's a little bit banged up. Let's see what Dana could do. And he looked to, to take a step. And Brendan Daly is extremely high on Mike Dana, as is Steve Spagnolo. They feel like he can go in and really be that other side for Chris Jones when Chris Jones is on the right end or the, the left end. Um, when, when it comes to Frank Clark, obviously a, a better Frank Clark means a better Chiefs team. If they can get somewhere around 10 sacks from him this year, somewhere in the range of 20 to 30 pressures, I think that's all you need. And this is, unfortunately, uh, I don't think there's any doubt about it, going to be the last year of Frank Clark in Kansas City. So let's see what he could do. That's interesting you said that about Mike Dana. I also learned today you're a Mike Dana truther because I actually think a little bit the opposite. I think the Chiefs are talking up Mike Dana, but I think one of the reasons they moved Chris Jones to the defensive end or he's going to get a majority of snaps to defensive end is a lack of trust that guys not named Clark and Jones at defensive end. But you think the Danas and the people like that can step up and fill that void and maybe has more to do with the depth of D-tackle than the depth of D-end. Yeah. The data that I saw at training camp was different. I mean, look, I know that you and, and C-Dot are going out to lunch and whatnot. I'm grinding in St. Joe <laughs> each and every day where I'm getting to watch Dana, and I was really impressed. Now, you're going against your same team there, so you can get to know guys. 
this will be a true test today because if Frank Clark is on that pitch count, which we expect in the D, that means at some point in the game he's coming out of the game. Mike Dana is next up. And so we're going to get to see today. And if I just made fun of you a little bit. If I'm completely wrong about this, that'll uh, lead you to make fun of me when we uh, talk on Wednesday as part of the drive at 3 p.m. We're talking now with Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride. He is the plaid prince. He is currently <laughs> at Arrowhead, and he's currently setting himself to get up to get made fun of on Wednesday at 3 on the drive. I'm psyched. <laughs> Let's talk about the biggest storyline that happened all offseason the Chiefs, and it was something we talked about February, March, April, May, June, July, August, and that's the entirely rebuilt offensive line. Now, you've talked as many people in football as I have, maybe even more because you, quote, grind up at training camp, but – everyone about new offensive lines tells you the keys are cohesion and communication. Obviously week one, it's going to have some hiccups. Do you expect those hiccups and what's the long-term look of this offensive line? I think for a brand new offensive line, the chiefs probably got a bad draw here because the Cleveland front seven is really, really good. Now that's it. I think it takes a quarter. I think there's going to be a a quarter of rust where, you know, there, there might be a little bit of shell shock. You have three people along the offensive line that are taking their initial steps in the NFL. But I think once the second quarter starts, you're going to start to see them settle in. And so you, you might get some drives that stall early. Don't panic, whatever. I, I don't know if it'll necessarily be very clean in the first quarter. But I think these guys are ready. And so once they get that quarter under them, once they settle in, once the emotions of the crowd and the entrances and all that calm down, I think this offensive line will be fine. Now, it's still a tall test. Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney lead a really, really good front seven, as I was saying. But I think the Chiefs as a, as a team are better especially if the offensive line can settle in uh, by the second quarter, as, as I've been alluding to. I have long felt, speaking of the offensive line, it's kind of the same vein, that the only way the Browns can be competitive or give the Chiefs a scare today in Arrowhead, based on everything, is if Miles Garrett, who is an elite pass rusher in the NFL, he's top five. Let's not get into a fight about where he is technically. Da, da, da. If he's a game wrecker, if he goes out there and has the kind of game that like say Shaq Barrett had against Green Bay last season, the playoffs where he had four tackles and three sacks. I think it was something like two and a half, but you got a kid, whatever. If he has that kind of game, the Browns can win. Is there any other path you see, or is it miles Garrett dominates or there's no other chance for the Browns? I think you're right there on miles Garrett. I think he's the player to watch. If the Browns win, he's going to play out of his mind, but it's something that we discussed a little bit earlier. And I'll add a point to it. It's Tyron Matthew. Let's, Let's play out the scenario that Tyron Matthew is inactive. And also, too, that Odell Beckham Jr., who is coming back from that knee injury, a lot of people think that he's going to play today. If he is the Odell Beckham Jr. that we know, and you have the swing of no Tyron Matthew and Odell Beckham Jr. really stretching the field, and then all of a sudden maybe the Chiefs can't stack the box and Odell becomes a problem, and then all of a sudden you have Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb with rushing lanes and they get a lead, and they start grinding out the game, and, and Jarvis Landry uh, has an impact because Odell is back to that. That scenario that I just mentioned, fortunately for Chiefs fans, is a lot of ifs, but that's the only thing. That swing of Tyron Matthew potentially not playing and Odell Beckham Jr. being effective, this is someone that was called the ultimate game wrecker by Steve Spagnuolo this week. We'll see how impactful he can be early on in this game, number 13. Uh, on the Cleveland Browns is someone to watch for me. That's interesting. You call, you said that about OBJ and I know that Spags said about OBJ too. It's actually an office debate. We were having all week about OBJ. Some people, I won't name names. Speck says that he's washed. He's done. Some people think he can still be the OBJ. He was, I'm personally of the opinion. OBJ is generic wide receiver in the NFL. 
850 to 1,000 yard guy, but there's like 35 of those guys in the league. Do you think he can be like the OBJ lure guy, the one who makes the one hand catch, or is he like more just a dude? I think he's a, as, as, as you're alluding to, uh, an average to slightly above average wide receiver at this point who can make one or two plays a game still that pop, that make you say, oh, wow, uh, maybe he can flash to be an elite receiver again. But to me, at this point, he's just been too banged up. I just don't think he's necessarily the same player when it comes to twitch and speed and quickness. Now, we'll see in this game if he refutes that. I know a lot of people believe in him in Cleveland. Steve Spagnuolo made those comments. And I think to an extent, you've got to take him with a grain of salt because you're talking about a former coach. And when there's a coach that knows a guy and has kind of come up with him a little bit, they sometimes are a little bit more favorable with their words. So we've got to keep that in mind as well. But I would lean more towards you. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not thinking that Odell Beckham Jr. is, is a, an elite receiver at this stage of his career. Talking now with Pete Sweeney, the editor-in-chief of Arrowhead Pride. Pete, I'll get you out of here with this one. It is your pick for the game. By 625 or 630, but every time the game ends, don't get hung up on that. Chiefs' final score against the Browns is what? Yeah, Rob, I have this game uh, 38-24 in favor of the Chiefs. Uh, I've been saying it a lot this week and and a little bit in the offseason. I really think from a national standpoint, because of the way that Super Bowl 55 went, a lot of people have forgotten just how good Patrick Mahomes can be. And it's just a question of the offensive line. And like I said, I think the offensive line settles in uh, by the second quarter. And I think what you see is Patrick Mahomes start to dominate, similar to what we saw in the final, the third and final preseason game against the Minnesota Vikings. And we know if Patrick Mahomes feels secure, if he feels protected, he can do some major, major damage. And I think they have a 38-point outburst. And the defense is good enough. I, I, you know, with Tyron Matthew being banged up, it's hard to think that they're going to hold them under 20. So I give it 38 to 24, which means uh, if you're a better, go ahead and bet the Chiefs. Give that six and a half away. I was just about to say, Pete Sweeney has them winning. And more importantly, because they're a great team, he has them covering. Good teams win, great teams cover, Pete. That is fired up. He's probably looking in the sky for those F2s or whatever for doing the flyovers across <laughs> Kansas City. He also apparently is the most expensive Chipotle date in the world. Pete, thanks for coming on this morning. Chips and guac, Rob. Chips and guac. That is Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride. When we come back on, I don't, I'm going to start calling it Sundays with Rob. Pink, Pink Sunday is out. When Rob's in, it's Sundays with Rob. When I come back, I'll give you my pick for the Chiefs and Browns game, and Vern will take over at noon with the on-deck show as the Royals get ready to take on the Twins. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to the newly named and aptly named Sundays with Rob. When I fill in for Bink, we just rename the show. That's what happens. You can always interact with Sundays with Rob on the J Southland Tow Service text line 913-576-7610. Got about five minutes of show left before Josh Vernier takes over this Vern's on deck show and gets you ready for Royals and Twins. And then after Royals and Twins... You'll hear the Chiefs Radio Network postgame show, followed by my guy, Jay Binkley, who will be about 19 energy drinks deep by then, fired up to talk Chiefs football. Top text on the text line right now. Up to Chels. What a great listenership we have. That's how I know our listeners are smart, Grant. They're not tweeting things like go Spurs or go Gunners. No. They, they say up the Chels. What a smart fan base we have. All eight people are listening right now because I know the gates are now open at Arrowhead and the tailgates have commenced. 
And you guys, as much as I love to believe you're listening to me at Arrowhead, you're probably not. I don't pair well with an ice cold Bud Light. I don't. I pay, pair better with a cup of coffee as you're driving out there. That's how I fit into the whole realm. So I think we've had a listener drop. That's okay. The ones we do have are setting up the shelves, and I know they're smart people. Earlier, we had Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride on the show. I'll give you my official Chiefs prediction momentarily. Pete is very similar mindset to me. Here's what he thinks is happening today at Arrowhead. Yeah, Rob, I have this game uh, 38-24 in favor of the Chiefs. Uh, I've been saying it a lot this week and and a little bit in the offseason. I I really think from a national standpoint, because of the way that Super Bowl 55 went, a lot of people have forgotten just how good Patrick Mahomes can be. And it's just a question of the offensive line. And like I said, I think the offensive line settles in uh, by the second quarter. And I think what you see is Patrick Mahomes start to dominate, similar to what we saw in the final, the third and final preseason game against the Minnesota Vikings. I think Pete's right. In a weird way, I think because he ran around for his life, was fearful of being sacked on every play, people have kind of forgotten that Patrick Mahomes is different. He is the best quarterback in the NFL, hands down, no arguments. Chiefs fans will argue he should win MVP every year. That's fine. It's a LeBron effect. When you're that much better than everyone, you're always an MVP candidate. And I think because he ran for his life, For 60 minutes in Tampa, people have kind of forgotten how great he was. And I think Brett Veach rebuilt the offensive line, and I think Patrick Mahomes has been stewing, stewing for, what's that, seven months, that that's the lasting image of the last season. And then I bet Patrick Mahomes is the ultimate put-a-chip-on-my-shoulder guy. I bet he watched Thursday night's Bucks game, saw highlights, got angry all over again. We've seen him count to four because of the top 100 list. We've seen him point to count to 10 because of Mitch Trubisky. We've seen him get an extra chip on his shoulder. And I have a hunch football night in America did that to him. We saw a whole documentary about how Michael Jordan took perceived slights as slights. Patrick Mahomes is built like that. The perception of a slight is going to be a slight in his mind. I think the Chiefs go out there and wallop the Browns today. I think it's 31-14 and the Browns get an oh-by-the-way touchdown at the end to make it 31-21. But this thing looks a lot like, and you guys remember this, remember when the Ravens came to town? I think that was 2019, the third game of the season, that first home game, they had the yellow end zones, which they don't have today. That's not here nor there. And the Chiefs dominated that game for three quarters, took their foot off the gas, and the Ravens clawed their way back in, but it was still never in doubt. That's what I think today looks like. And the Chiefs for three quarters thump the Browns. Just dominant. I don't think anyone in the NFL, I think there's only a few teams historically in the NFL that could come in there ahead today and give the Chiefs any problems. And the Browns are not one of them. This game is blowout city. Arrowhead's a party at the end of the third quarter. I think the Chiefs, knowing it's week one, knowing there's 16 more games, playing the long game, take their foot off the gas a little bit. Couple, oh, by the way, touchdowns makes the betters sweat but it's not a real close competitive game. This is 31-21 Chiefs. And if I'm wrong, it's like what Pete said, it's 38-21. And the oh, by the way, touchdown doesn't even move. Good teams win, great teams cover. The Chiefs will do both today. They will cover. I'm not at all worried about the Browns. Like I said, they open the show. Arrowhead's going to shake today. Arrowhead's going to be raucous. There's going to be a roar at Arrowhead that hadn't been felt in two years. Kansas City, I know you. You have a lot of pent-up screaming at random people, a lot of pent-up tailgating. You haven't been to get that out. It's been boiling underneath you. 16,000 people with tailgates that are socially distanced is not the same as a real Arrowhead tailgate. You guys are going to come in. You're going to be loud. Loud's an understatement. You guys are going to be incredible. And the Browns aren't ready for that moment week one. 
The Chiefs are going to make the Browns like the Vikings in the preseason. They're going to give them the work. Chiefs big today. Arrowhead, don't let me down. All show, I've talked about it. You guys are going to bring an energy that no one in the NFL can match. You have to do that today. Bring the juice. I've seen the photos on Twitter. I've seen the photos on Instagram. You guys are out there. You're grilling up your meats. You're chugging your beers. Hopefully responsibly. And you're getting ready for Chiefs and Browns. You're fired up. I'm fired up. It's an NFL Sunday. I'm heading home. I'm going to turn the Octobox on. Red zone till 325. Chiefs and Browns at 325. Next on 610 Sports Radio is Josh Vern here. Speaking of great things, Salvador Perez is great. You can hear Vern on the On Deck Show here in about two and a half minutes. I've been Rob Brenton. This has been Sundays with Rob. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 